Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show. We actually almost had a full house today in the studio, but um, Pastor Jonathan's um, 11th granddaughter was born this morning, so he is without us. But we do have Pastor Phil and we do have Pastor Russ. How are you guys doing? I think he has 11 grandchildren, not 11 granddaughters. Sorry, I, yeah. but this is the... This is the 11th. And it's a granddaughter. And it's a granddaughter. Right, thank yeah. you for the correction. Yeah, got a, I was going to let it quiver. go. But. <laughs> hey, just remember, whenever I'm in the studio with you guys, you guys got to act like it's a handicap in golf, okay? Yep, yep. That's how this works. So we are doing post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Quickly, what did you guys preach on this last Resurrection Sunday? Uh, I preached on John's account of Resurrection Morning. John 21 through uh, 18, and um, Mary Magdalene's encounter with the risen Jesus. Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, it's the women at the tomb and then Peter all struggling to believe the the resurrection. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why we wanted to do these post-resurrection appearances today is because obviously every resurrection... um, Every year, a lot of attention gets spent on on those initial resurrection accounts. And then, of course, the ascension happens 40 days later. But there's this period of time where there's these 40 days where Jesus appeared to his disciples on a number of different occasions. And these are really precious accounts. Yeah. So today, we're going to be looking at John chapter 20, where Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. I Just real quickly, I just want to... To show why this is kind of important, 1 Corinthians 15 is almost like a, a, a confessional, creedal statement. It says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for your sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So in this creedal account of you know the fact that he, what's most important, it talks about that he was buried that he, I mean, and was raised, but then you have a whole series of he appeared, he appeared, he appeared, he appeared, mm-hmm. he appeared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so just don't underestimate the importance of the post-resurrection appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those appearances we don't actually have records of in Scripture. Right. Like, uh, you know, Jesus appeared to Peter, it seems, all by himself, because you, you mentioned mm-hmm. Luke 24, when those two men uh, on the road to Emmaus came back, the disciples said, oh, yeah, and he appeared to Peter. But it seems to me that we don't have an account right. of that. Right. It seems to me that we don't have an account of him meeting with the 500. Right. 
but we do have some some precious That's places. Right. So That's we're right. in John 20. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. If, you're, if you have your Bibles open, this is what it says, starting in verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Maybe just a a couple of words about Mary Magdalene before we get into the details of this encounter. Um, First of all, uh, perhaps a a good idea to dispel a couple of myths about Mary Magdalene. Uh, First of all, there is no evidence anywhere in the New Testament that she was ever a prostitute. Now, that would not have prevented her from being a disciple of Jesus. People were converted out of all kinds of sin uh, into relationship with Christ. Uh, but there's, there's no evidence anywhere in the New Testament that Mary Magdalene was ever a, a prostitute. And uh, the, the next thing I'm going to say may, may sound so ridiculous to some ears that you, you wonder why I'm even saying it, but Mary Magdalene was not Mrs. Christ. You know, that's been out there for a while. Isn't that uh, one of the Gnostic Gospels? Yeah, it, it goes back to uh, uh, it goes back to some stories that were written down in the like the, the third century, fourth century. It's been around for a long time. It was popularized once again a few years ago uh, by uh, the Dan Brown novel, uh, The Da Vinci Code. But there's absolutely no evidence anywhere in the New Testament uh, that Jesus was married uh, or that he was married to Mary Magdalene. Um, but one of the amazing things about this account to me is Mary Magdalene's devotion to Jesus. And in a way, she's a, she's such a model of discipleship here. She was the, among the first at the tomb on resurrection morning, found the tomb empty. She goes back and tells the men, the, the men, Peter and John run to the tomb, look in, find it empty, and, and then they go back home. And, but Mary stays there. And I, I just, I love it. She's such a model of discipleship because she remains devoted to Jesus even when there is absolutely no logical reason to remain devoted. In fact, there, there's all, all the evidence indicates walk away. It's, it's over, it's done. Um, but she remains totally devoted to him and even uh, fighting to 
are arguing any way to, to find his body. What have you done with him? Tell me what you've done with him, and I'll I'll go get him, and I'll bring you. You know how how is she going to do this mm-hmm. <laughs> to to pick up a, the the body of a grown man? Um, but uh, it, it's a sign of her total devotion to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that there's all these questions to the women um, in this particular text. You have the angel asking her, "Why are you weeping?" Jesus asks her, "Where? Why are you weeping?" In the Luke account, the angels will ask. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Yeah. So there is this this gentle rebuke mm-hmm. that does permeate some of the resurrection ac- accounts of, wait a minute, what are you, what are you guys doing here? Why are you even at the tomb? Mm-hmm. And why would you be weeping at the tomb? And the gentle rebuke underneath of that is, didn't you believe what Jesus taught you? He told you how it was all going to play out. And so you know he's not here because he told you he's not going to be here. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to weep for somebody that's alive, and you don't have to go to a graveyard for somebody that's alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a fascinating little dynamic of this gentle rebuke, but that in, as you read this passage, there's just such a deep love of Christ for for Mary. So. Well, and Those who go aren't mutually exclusive, is what I'm saying. Well, you know, Mary and and all the rest of the disciples who weren't believing Jesus's words. That's who we are in the story because they were they were essentially believers who didn't believe aspects of what Jesus promised and aspects of what the Word of God said. Because in that same account, when he appears to the to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he says to them, um, you know. Don't in essence, don't you believe the scriptures? Because this is what the scriptures have said from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find um, so that dynamic that in this story, this is very much a picture of all disciples that that yes, we 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 believe in Christ, we trust in Christ, and yet there's still aspects of His Word and of Jesus Himself that we're not yet believing. Sure, <clears throat> if you look at it and say it's fun to be hard on people in the Bible kind of a fun little game. But at the same time, what are some truths that have been spoken about for us? I mean, the scriptures tell us that we've died to sin. Mm-hmm. Do we really believe that? Do we mm-hmm. live in the fullness of that promise that we've died to sin? Do, do we believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead, the 18 inches from our head to our heart? We, we all believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Do right. we live like he has been raised <clears throat> from the dead? Yeah. And part of what part of what's going on here, I think, in the in the disappointment, in in the unbelief of the disciples, and that they have forgotten, apparently, that Jesus said that he would rise from the dead. I, I think part of what's going on here is they had they had plans and dreams for Jesus and where this following him was going to go. And now all of that is in ruin. Mm-hmm. The, their plans and dreams mm-hmm. for what Jesus was going to do, uh, for for what they were going to do with him, all of that is now in ruin. And and guess what? We all do that in our relationship with Jesus, don't we? Mm-hmm. We have plans and dreams, and we want Jesus to help our plans and dreams come true. And uh, you know, Christ is faithful, and uh, 
he is faithful to his promises and he's faithful in relationship to us. But every one of us is going to come to a point in life where the direction that I thought my life was going to go and the direction that I thought Jesus was going to take me is not going to come to pass, Mm -hmm. is going to be a train wreck. And in this story, that's exactly where Jesus, in fact, almost all the post-resurrection stories, that's precisely where Jesus meets them at. Yes. And instead of, you know, I I think how we interpret Jesus's uh, initial response to all of these disciples is really important. What he isn't saying and what he is saying, which we're going to unpack in, in, in the coming days, but Jesus could have rebuked them for a number of things. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead, he comes to them very gently. There is rebuke, but very gently. But he also gives this incredible promise, incredible statement. I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mm-hmm. Um, to all these these disciples that didn't believe that had, had failed him, he's saying... He's still your father. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time. 